everybody, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Kent Nolling Podcast, the first episode of 2018, so Happy New Year to everyone. It may be the first show of the year, there may have been a few games called off, but there's been no let-up in news, goals and action this week already in this new year. I'm John Phipps, and after his sabbatical last week, I'm glad to say Matt Jarrod is back with me. We've technically already spoken via the means of Radio Kent, but I'm still going to say Happy New Year to you, Matt. How are you? Very good, John. Thanks. Happy New Year to you. And uh, yeah, New Year starts. Back to normality and various things in work and everything. But yeah, looking forward to it. It's been an exciting uh, few days uh, in the Kent football scene. I heard you were tucked up in bed at half past ten on New Year's Eve. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to uh, for a few drinks and the kids get a bit tired and then half past ten. I'm normally tucked tucked up in bed at half ten most of the time. So just another day for me, really. So I'm from fresh the next day. We were uh, we well we went to our friends, but um, unfortunately our friend had food poisoning, so uh, he wasn't much fun. But his wife was very good company, so it wasn't too bad. It wasn't spoiled for us anyway. So you know, there you go. Yeah, so it's been a busy few days, and, and I really wasn't sure where to start this week's show. But on balance, I think Margate might be a good place to kick off this week's show. I mean, they had a shocking festive period on the pitch, and then on Tuesday it was a bit of a bombshell for me as Chairman Alistair Bayliss left the club. The statement from the club said that his resignation had been accepted with a mixture of regret and respect, adding, Margaret FC would like to thank Alistair for the insurmountable work he has done during his time as chairman. Work instigated, led and delivered by him that will ensure the club can go stronger as the time goes on. Matt, you spoke to him earlier in the season and, and I guess there was no clue at all that he wasn't going to be in it for the long haul. Uh, I think when he originally stated out that he, he was, you know, wouldn't do it, he's got a business, uh, you know, quite a successful business, a coach business as well. So he was going to get them through the period that they, the uncomfortable period they had in back end of 2016 and early part of 2017. So um, I don't think there is rumours around that there's other people involved at Margate um, who are looking to get involved in it. And Alistair was sort of a, a figurehead for that point of view, but he's done a great job, the investment in the pitch, etc. Uh, he's been involved in Kent football for a number of years with a number of clubs. So um, it's disappointing, but Margate move on. Okay, there's something to the old Margate. Are they in trouble again? But of course, I don't think they're going to spend, you know, in excess of £300,000 on a new pitch if they were going to be in trouble because they can see the investment from that point of view. It's a shame. I don't know where it leaves the management team as well. It's a part of that. Because um, Steve Watt was definitely a friend of Alistair Bayliss. I'm not saying they're going to get rid of uh, um, Steve Watt, but again, they they came together as sort of, sort of a team. But uh, I'm sure the other people behind the scenes at Margate will just carry it on. You know, he's done a good job, but the king is dead, long live the king, as they say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, I don't think there's anything in it, because, you know, all I've seen is people praising the work he's done. You know, he himself has been on social media and said, you know, thank you for everyone at Margate, it's just time for me to move on. So I don't think there's anything sinister going on behind the scenes. I don't think there's necessarily been any sort of falling out. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things where he was the figurehead for, for everything. And he's a, you know, he's a personable chap, he's... I've not had many dealings with him, but I know he's a nice fella. He will, you know, he will talk and he'll talk to the press and stuff. So, from that point of view, it's interesting to see where they're going to go now, Margate. And after a bit of a, a tricky period on the pitch, I guess to have a bit of off the pitch instability. And even if you know there isn't any instability, people will be looking from the outside and saying, "Oh, what's gone on there?" Another change at the top of Margate, and that's probably not what they need at the moment. There's always, unfortunately, there's always for the last few years has been sort of instability there, um, and he gave a little bit of structure to the club, and he has built a structure. And they've got Charlotte Richardson doing Richardson doing the marketing. They've got a chief executive, and of course Ryan Day's always there around at the club. So, um, who takes over as the figurehead now? Um, 
what I hear in there's a local um, estate agent who's involved and a couple of other businessmen who are involved with the club as well. So they maybe maybe the, the money men from that point of view. And I think Alistair put some money into the club, but not a, a great deal. He was just a figurehead for that. Where they go from here, from there, will they make any more statements? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But it's just again up to probably the middle of December we were saying what a good season it's been for Margate Christmas period with three consecutive defeats then on the back of this resignation it's not a good start for 2018 if you're a Margate fan because you've had those highs after many many months of lows and now you're, you're back in that little curve really of, of lows but you know I'm sure everything will come out of the water in the next few weeks where Margate are but uh, I don't think there's anything to worry about it's just that there may be somebody else being the figurehead for the club yeah, I mean, they're, they're still just outside the playoffs, so it's not the end of the world. But, I mean, they're obviously, they lost 4-2 on the Saturday before Christmas and on Boxing Day, washed out at least on Saturday, then hosted Folkestone on New Year's Day, went ahead, all looked well, but then Folkestone hit back to win 3-1. We'll talk more about Folkestone in a minute, but Margate have got Billericay this weekend, and, and they've got to get out of this rut soon if they want to have any hope of getting into the playoffs, don't they? Well, it's, it's, yeah, they can see 11 goals in three games, and, and up to that point, they only conceded 17 in in 20 games so that's a disappointment I know they've had goalkeeping issues with Lenny Pidgeley and they've brought their Patrick Lee in and James Russell where they've got from what I've seen before for Bournemouth he's a decent goalkeeper but maybe the the goalkeeping issues haven't really helped them from there hopefully Lenny Pidgeley's got over the personal issues he's had maybe he's coming back into the team but I think maybe that's the, the issue with the, with the goalkeepers upset the defence because the defence has been the key for them this season but you know on the positives Chidozi continues to score goals and uh, he's been a fine signing for them Yes, been, and I think you're right about the goalkeeper issue. I think I've seen a few Margate fans saying, you know, they are a bit concerned. They need that stability of Pidgey, who obviously is vastly experienced, knows the players that he's playing with, and and that's going to help them push on. But I mean, enough of Margate. Folkestone, what a superb result that is. I mean, they had a bit of a blip. They've now won three games in a row, all three-one, up to third in the table. Billericay and Dulwich, who they play on Saturday, are a fair whack clear, so they may not win the league. And they may not even get into the playoffs, but even so, to be where they are in the, in the start of January is absolutely fantastic for Folkestone. Yeah, normally, Folkestone, this sort of time again, they've had financial issues before, they have to release players at this sort of time. But Neil Cugley's done a fantastic job. Scott Hurd went to Dagenham, didn't really get many games in, but a lot of teams have been looking at him over the years when he was at Whitstable. Webster looked at him, I think, and like that. I'm in there. Neil Cugley's rejuvenated them again from that point of view. I know certain clubs are looking at him as well. Adi Yusuf, we've mentioned before, Ian Draycott. He's done a really Callum Davis, who I think is a good player. It didn't really work out for him at Jills, went to Dover, had a few injury problems, but solid captain for the club. I think he's a very good player, and I can only see good things happening for Folkestone, really. The, the young players they've got in the Neil Cuggery, as long as he continues to get that hunger, which I clearly think he has, you know. He, what would he love to do to manage in, a, in the National League South? It's, it's going to be tough, I think. We know Billy Ricky are going to win this league as he goes on. Dulwich have got other issues off the field as well, but there's no reason why they can't get top five to get into the playoffs from there. And whatever it is, happens in 48 points up to in the new year. It's a really good start for Folkestone and long may it continue. Absolutely. And our, our final Boston Premier League side, Tunbridge Angels, won at Brighton City Regional on Saturday. And then their game with Billericay on New Year's Day was called off your walk log pitch. And um, they have this week named their new chairman, Roger Madams. I think a lot of people know Roger well and, and the work that he does for cardiac rescue in the young has been admirable. And I think he'll hope that the future can be bright. I mean, obviously, we know he's taken over because of Steve Church's illness. And, and I guess he's a, a solid figure. And um, it's, it's good that Tunbridge Angels have got this sorted and got someone in who has an affinity towards the club. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's done a fantastic job in, in difficult circumstances with cardio arresting the young. And yeah, Tom was a great club from that point. He will be a good figurehead from that point. And I really enjoyed Steve McKim's tweet. He said, oh, welcome to the uh, job. I'm sure you'll do a great job. I'll be knocking on your door soon for an extra budget, which, which shows that maybe the relationship they've got from that point of view. But again, I can see Tunbridge a mixed bag for the season so far. Maybe the new chairman can come in, rejuvenate him a little bit, and, and they can go from there. I mean, they're still 10th, though, Angels, and, and you know, it may give them the push because it is still, quite, you know, there's still a long way to go. And those teams, the Margates, the Tumbridge Angels, who are just outside the playoff places, are still going to think they've got every chance. And the thing is, is the playoffs, we all know they're a lottery. And Dulwich look like they're going to be in the playoffs again because I would imagine Billericay are going to go on to win the league, even though they've got their own problems at the moment. But we'll talk about that later on, maybe. Um, but I think, you know, Dulwich have got history. They keep getting in those playoffs. They keep losing them. Any team who gets into those playoffs will fancy their chances. And there's no reason why Tunbridge Angels have got a good fan base. If they go on a good run, there's no reason why they can't gatecrash the playoffs. And then anything can happen. Consistency, again, from the home form is pretty decent. Eight wins out of uh, the 13 games. Got away form has been a little bit. And I think they've had issues with um, suspensions, etc. like that. Game players not being fit. But when you've got a trophy, when you've got Elder. Maybe when the season sort of gets a little bit, pitches get a little bit harder, they come into their own, I think. Big, big players like that. Nathan Evans is a big player in the dressing room. He can rejuvenate that. He's got a good record in the playoffs. There's no reason why they can't get in there. Some other big clubs in there, because the likes of Lisa to be knocking on the door before Hendon and having a good season. Staines, of course, they want to be up there. So just consistency, consistency is in. Good luck to Roger and his new role as well. Absolutely, and and I mean we did. I mentioned it briefly there, but Billericay, we all know they've got money, but he's he, there's a few whispers around, isn't there? They're renegotiating contracts with players. I don't think all is as well as it possibly was a year ago. That they the the chairman is on Twitter saying they need to get two thousand people through the gates every week to make this viable for him. And I saw someone saying we've seen this before. It's Margate all over again, and. and Whatever anyone thinks about Billericay, there are good people at that club who've been there long before Glen Tamplin and will be there long after Glen Tamplin. And we don't want to see a club that that happens to another club, do we? Not really. He's done the, the ground up, but I think there's an issue with the ground about that. Maybe it'll have to be knocked down in a few years as well. So at least from that point of view, yeah, you get bored about talking about them. They enjoy the publicity, particularly Glen Tamplin, who goes off social media one minute, then he's back on it the next. So um, yeah. Whatever it is, it'll be interesting to see um, the games in Margate go there. You know, nothing to fear. Go there, maybe get a get a result, and that puts uh, Margate back up, and then maybe puts the cat amongst the pigeons for Billericay again. Yeah, um, Tom and Angels, by the way, are at home to Lowestoft on Saturday. Um, both Folkestone and Margate have home games on Tuesday night too. Folkestone against Thurrock and Margate, I think, is Needham Market. A nice trip for them on a Tuesday night. Um, let's hop up to the top of the pyramid next, then in the National League, which had two derbies on New Year's Day. Before that, though, on Saturday, Bromley completed the double over Leighton Orient, and they followed that up by beating Ebb Street 4-2 on Monday night as well. Live on telly, fantastic. We've spoken before about the job that Neil Smith has done at Hayes Lane, but again, a fantastic week for Bromley. It's been a brilliant week. Um, I saw Leighton Bronson Kagala sent off against um, early on in that game. You think maybe they got it? They got the goal from Louis Dennis again. Been absolutely on fire. Probably the player, one of the best players I've seen, along with Corey Whiteley in the National League this year. And then followed up against Sebsley, 3 0 up after half an hour in that game as well. Brilliant. They, you know, looked a little bit rickety went on, but they got the fourth goal as well. But a fantastic job. That's a big win for them. When you look at the league table, that, that gives them a little bit of gap from Ebsley, puts them into the playoff positions. And probably the key thing is 
if can they hold on to Louis Dennis? That'll be the thing. A lot of clubs are circling around him. Very good feet. Uh, scores goals. He's, one part of his game wasn't too good. He was scoring goals, but now he's scoring goals as well. If they can hang on to him, um, there's no reason why they, they can't get into the playoffs. But he's a key player for them. A real, really good player. And I think uh, a lot of clubs, maybe in this league, definitely above. He's had a little league experience with Dagenham before. He could be a player to watch out for because he's got everything in the locker, as they say, and on fire at the moment. And I say, could be up there as one of the best players in the National League this season. Funny enough, that was the next thing on my, on my script in front of me here. Is clubs have got a month, haven't they? Or the Football League clubs have got a month to make their moves. Is there going to be any, anyone out there who will take a gamble? Because it, it is a gamble, even despite his form, and pluck him from, from, from Bromley. And will Bromley be able to hold on to him if anyone does come in for him? Well, when the first come there, Moses Emmanuel was banging in the goals. They managed to avoid selling him when the club was Neil Smith, I think, who's really made the best out of um, Louis Dennis. Will try and try and avoid it. Will clubs going in the, in the league, probably League One, League Two clubs, if they've got the money, you know, the way the players go, I don't know his contract situation, but it's going to be a, a five-figure fee, I would have thought. Depends if some of these league clubs start panicking in the, the end of January, they're not doing too well. There's a player who can go in, he, he would, you know, the crowd will get behind him because he's one of those fair players, it seems like, as well. So, again, everybody has their price. That's the, I, I think he's worth, he's, worth a, he's worth a pump. I'm not trying to flog him on the pod, of course, but he's worth a pump from the league team from that point of view. Well, we shall, we shall see what happens. I'm sure that will be one that will probably run on until the end of the transfer uh, window, which I, I'm not actually sure what day it is because it used to be just the 31st, but now they mess around with weekends and who knows. I, I haven't even looked at it too it much. It's the 31st this year. Actually. Oh, is it? it no. the 31st this year, yes. Midweek or I, I must admit. It's my not... dad's birthday, the 31st. So oh, excellent. There you go. It's not one of my priorities to be checking the transfer window at the moment, but there you go. Um, Fleet had drawn 1-1 with Dagenham on Saturday, and I read that their players were set for a video nasty in training, as Darren McMahon's going to sit them down and watch that Bromley game over again. They beat Bromley at home, lost to Bromley away, got a draw with Dagenham in between. Still bubbling under Ebb Fleet, aren't they? Yeah, again, only their sixth defeat of the season, so that's not the end of the world from that one. As I said to you before, these um, back-to-back games, only Aldershot and Macclesfield have won both games, so... Nothing's really been gained from them. With Fleet went at home, they lost away from that. I'm not a big fan of the, the games being closed up from that point of view. But still, being there, I still think they'll um, they'll spend a bit of cash in the in, maybe not in January, but uh, when it needs to it to get Plumley, and they're looking for a striker defensively. That was a, an off day for them because they don't normally concede four, but and some of the goals were pretty disappointing from that point of view. But uh, I think they're doing all right. But I still think they can. Do a little bit better, better, nine wins, 12 draws, uh, only six defeats as well. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think they're, they're doing okay. But again, if they'd have beat Bromley, that'd have been a, gone ahead of Bromley and they'd have been in the playoffs or just outside the playoffs themselves. So, such a tight league, just got to be a little bit of consistency. But like all our Kent sides, I think the FA Trophy, changing the subject a little bit, could be a high priority. We've all got the, the three national sides are left in it. I think it could be a competition that we all, they want to go long, long deep into it. But I think Epsi will still be up there. All you need is a couple of wins again and you're back in the mix. So, And I'm sure they'll strengthen the squad when they need to. Yeah, that game on Box oh, New Year's Day, of course, was on a 3G pitch. And it's a subject we've had a lot of talk about already. And guess what? Here's some more. Before the other Kent derby, which we'll discuss shortly, Matt caught up with Maidstone United co-owner Terry Casey. He began by talking about the Stones' progress on and off the pitch and then moved on to the subject of 3G pitches. 
We know that Dover and Ipswich aren't fans, and it's safe to say that Terry's not too keen on their viewpoint either. Yeah, alongside me, uh, Maystone co-owner Terry Casey. Happy New Year, Terry. And we look back on 2017, was it successful for the club? Well, lovely new stand I can see out there. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of pluses and positives to be taken out of last year, certainly. The, the stand being the, the lasting legacy to 2017, which that'll be there for many, many years to come, even after all our players have come and gone. But um, overall, it's been an extremely successful year because... We thought we were going to be in trouble with relegation from the National League um, up to the end of 2016. And then we did turn it round in the first couple of months of 2017. And that that was a monumental achievement with the budget that we're on. Do you take it all down to the manager, I suppose, Jay Saunders? He's he's seen had a success in those previous years and a little dip in form. And that shows the character of the manager more, doesn't it? Yeah, he's certainly... Well, he's got our full and unstinting support. So that must make him feel good. We, We... he knows full well how much we rate him, how highly we rate him. But it's more than Jade. He's got terrific backup with people like Bill Williams and the rest of the team that um, that, that support him and everything he does. And um, you know, I personally, I, I've got a lot of time for Jay. I think he's a he's a terrific individual and he's a good manager. And but still, this is still his only his first ever management job. So he's he's done rather well, I think. This season so far. Are you pleased how it's gone? I think 10th place at the moment. The form's been a little bit rocky of late, but uh, still a long way to go, isn't there? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I think we slipped down to about 12th, but we've got a couple of games in hand. Um, it's a strange league in many ways because we beat teams very easily and then we seem to lose to, to, to other teams that um, you, you get the feeling you should have beaten, really. But um, everybody's beaten everybody else. I'd like... Personally, I'd like us just to get up to about 52 points and then we can sort of relax a little bit. We don't have to have the, the spectre of relegation hanging over us. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it's one of those seasons. I, I don't think we're quite ready on or off the pitch to go up. But Is that a big gap, you think, from this league into the next league? Yeah, I think each of the, each of the jumps gets bigger as the further you go up, which is a strange one, really. I remember coming here watching us in the first game of the Ryman Premier and people were turning around after we drew one all with Wilston and people were turning around and saying gosh this is a bit of a jump from the Ryman mm. South so yeah and I think this jump into the National it's going to take us a couple of years just to I don't know feel completely at home with all the places we go to because we go to some very big big stadiums we go to very big places and um, uh, but if it comes and we get to the playoffs, then we'll we'll take on every challenge and every battle that comes to, that comes our way. We're not, certainly not looking down. We're looking up. There's a possibility of playoffs. We get a good run. We could be there. Trophy could be a competition. that will be interesting. You know, excellent support base here. They would love a day out of Wembley, wouldn't they? I think we. Yeah. Oh God, I'd love a day out of Wembley <laughs> as well. What a lovely thought, tempting thought. I know we've got a team that are three leagues down from us in the next round. So. Yeah, if we win the next round, we're in the last 16, a couple more victories, and then we really will be looking at the, I was going to say the Twin Towers, but they've gone now. But I mean, we'll be looking at a trip to Wembley, certainly. It'd be a wonderful experience for all of our wonderful supporters. Of course, one of the things that New Year's Day, it's chucking down with rain. You've got a 3G service. Some other games have gone. That's sort of... um a big, going to be a big factor again next year within the league with the, what the going on with it. What's your view? Now, of course, you're a 3G advocate, but the thing is that you've signed something before the start of the season saying if you get promoted, you'd have to rip the pitch up. What, what's going on with that? Because there's a little bit of confusion going on. Well, the, the, the reality of it is that we had to sign this ludicrous piece of paper saying we'll be relegated if we got promoted, which sounds complete Mickey Mouse. Um, but it still frustrates the life out of me. I li- listen to people who 
like Epsfleet and Dover, who, who run teams on the basis of somebody shovels a million pound a year into their playing squad. And I don't know how we're, we're expected to compete with people like that. If they want to put a million pound of their own money into a bunch of footballers, they can. But we run a football a business that's a football business. And we make a profit, we reinvest the money, and our books balance. Signing the agreement is something you were forced, you had to do anyway, this agreement. Is there anything, if yourself, Sutton and Bromley get thing, you can go to a higher level to, to look into that agreement? It, it looks like an agreement that should be challenged legally. Um, I, I think there's an issue of coercion where, where we had to sign it. We had no choice but sign it. Um, if you didn't sign it, what would have happened? Well, I don't ever think about what happens if we didn't do something. <laughs> we did it. We did it in good faith on the basis that we know we've got, we've got God and right on our side. And um, if there is a legal challenge, and I think people like Sutton are, are, are geared up and armed ready, same as we are, same as Bromley. And of course, you've got t- teams coming from lower leagues. You know, you've got Harrogate Town, look as though they could come up into, into the national now. They've got a 3G surface. And the thing is, anybody who puts the 3G surface down, just cannot imagine playing on a, on a you know, mud and frosted up piece of grass um, after they played on, on 3G. Both Dover and uh, have mentioned that you know, there's different qualities of 3G surface. You've had to replace yours and there. Is there any agreement? Is there, what do you think your agreement on that? Do you think there's different surfaces in the league with Bromley and yourself and Sun? I could, there, there could be marginal differences, but as with most things that come out of Bromley and Ebbsfleet, fact is they're talking from pure ignorance they have no idea the difference in 3g 1g or 4g they wouldn't know it if it slapped them in the face the fact of the matter is there are varying degrees of 3g but the variation is nothing like the the degree in at the crab or the boggy one end that goes boggy where you're wading through mud in the other end if it's a frosty night you, you you're skating around on frost covered ground i mean for them to be critical of the different standards of 3g is complete and utter nonsense why doesn't somebody go and say well, look at the different standards you're, you're you know appalling pitches you can't play football in that in that corner at the crabble it's not possible the ball won't roll they wouldn't have got a game today for example oh, look, the benefits of 3g community system you're a community club and you've seen the benefits since you've come back to this ground here well, back, very back to much so. yeah no very much so that's why we get the crowds that we do i think i think the crowds realise that we value them very highly because they are part of the business package. They're, they're the people that are giving us a profit every year. It's not, as I said earlier, it's not some sugar daddy wheeling in barrel loads of cash into a, into a business which doesn't sustain it through its supporters. Our business is sustained through our sponsorship and our supporters, and that's the way, that's the way it will always be. And, and the community, I mean, they've taken it for granted now. We've done six years here. And, you know, it's just part of the infrastructure of the whole town nowadays. I think that's what it is. A, you know, it's a community club. Remainder, final question. 2018, we're in the first day of it. If I look back to speak to you in a year's time, where would you like to be as a club? Uh, if I look, yeah, but I'd like, to, to be honest, I'd like to be on the edge of the playoffs. I'm not sure how many people around me like Oliver wants to be in the playoffs because it's going to cause us enormous <laughs> amount of political fun and games. But um, I'm a football man. I, I, I don't look at teams and go on the pitch looking to draw or lose or we go on the pitch to win matches if we keep winning matches then um, we're going to be in the playoffs we're going to have to deal with it um, Matt firstly thanks to Terry for giving us his time before that game on New Year's Day I don't know I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit fed up with this 3G rail it seems to me that in Kent we've got two polar opposites we've got two sides with the 3G pitches in the National League who love them and two without who hate them. There's an absolutely no middle ground. Is, is there anyone in Kent football in the National League, apart from us, who wants to sit on the fence about this issue? 
No, to be honest, I, well, one of the things that I thought about the New Year's resolution, one of the things I was thinking about it, I was thinking to say, stop the bickering about 3G because it is getting pretty boring now. And it's only going to rumble and rumble on as it, as it goes on. Iceland have got their business model, Bromley got their business model, Dover and Bepsley are going the other way. So, again, it's getting a little bit tit for tat now as well with it. The, 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 the criticism of each other uh, from that point of view. We are where we are. I think probably if we could tr- avoid talking it till April, if they're all in the playoffs, then it's really, it'll be more important than people than us will be discussing this because the National League is going to have to take its head out of the sand in some ways and work out what they're going to do. But as I said, going back to Jim Palmer at this point, they had to sign that piece of paper. And you could see if they signed it, they've gone along with the rules. If the if it goes to a thing, it was all Terry insinuating in there, yeah, they've got a case to take it to a higher court, then it could really get interesting and confusing in, in the National League. Uh, and one of the points I want to make, if, for a say, Bromley finished seventh in the league and, say, two points ahead of Tranmere, will Tranmere say they can't go up, they're going to take you to it, and we know they're not going to win their pitch up, can we take their place? And then it really does cat amongst the pitches in the National League, and they've really got to sort it out. If the National League came out and said, right, there's the rules, they're going to get on with it, then that will be interesting to see. But it's just up in the air, and, and I say, I'm getting a little bit bored of the arguing going on, and maybe we can forget about it for a few weeks or not, or so. But of course, absolutely play Maidstone next week, so it's all going to come up again. As, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I think you've hit on a really good point there. I I don't want this to become to be a problem in April. You know, we don't want it to be to come to the the playoffs and then it be and then it be starting to debate it all. I think the National League and the Football League, so obviously the Football League have got a part to play in this, have got to make a decision sooner rather than later, so that everybody knows what the situation is, whether it be that Sutton, Bromley, Maidstone would be excluded from the playoffs this year. If that's a decision, then that decision's got to be made now because we don't want to get to, you know, the time when the playoff semi-finals are, are set to be happening or, or whatever stage it's going to be. And all of a sudden it's like, well, are they going to allowed to go up? Will they be able to play in it? Like you say, the team who finishes outside the playoffs saying, well, we, can we ever go in the playoffs if they're not going to do it? I was involved um, in when Margate played in the playoffs and they got promoted. And... Uh, there was some massive debate over ineligible players and, and whether teams would be in the playoffs or not in the playoffs. I think it was Enfield should have been were thinking they could have been in the playoffs. They weren't in the playoffs. And the whole thing just got delayed and ran on and ran on and ran on. And it turned the thing into an absolute farce, to be honest. And the National League, who are pretty switched on about things like this, they always have been, need to put their foot down now and avoid that sort of situation because there'll be a laughing stock come April, May if we if the league finishes and they can't say who's who, who's going to be playing who in the playoffs. Well, the National League has, has previous across the years of teams not allowing teams up, uh, etc. like that. The playoffs passed last year in National League South, so it, it's known to them as well. But if you speak, you know, speaking of Jim Palmer and Terry Casey said that they had to sign that agreement. So, I don't know the, the weirds of the laws of these things, but Maystone, they had to sign the agreement. Maybe that shows that this season, yeah, that's it. You cannot go up. Well, if you do, you're going to have to take the demotion. Maybe from next season, that they can get something written in stone and get it on. And before the ball's being kicked in the league, this is what's happening. Because I, I do feel it's going to blow up in about April time and, it, it, and it's, we're just going to be shaking our heads at it at that point. Well, they can't say we weren't that, that we didn't warn them anyway. If that will happen, so um, away from that though, I thought you spoke very well about the club and and where they are, and the, you know, the, I love the fact when he said, you know, Jay knows he's got our unwavering support. We're going to back him, whatever. Um, three draws in a row for them after the two-two draw with 
Dover on Monday. I only heard bits and pieces, but it sounded like the Whites scored two cracking goals, but just couldn't hold on. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, Sammy, who has had it in his locker this season, scored an absolutely worldly 30-yard in the top corner. Nothing Walker could do. Uh, and then Maystone got into it. Uh, Tom Ray came into the side. Again, Dover conceded, in my opinion, from there. Um, the goals they've conceded this season, four poor goals against Maidstone. And this one again, cross came in, right, not the tallest man in the world. Got the end of a cross to head the ball in. And then Norsi scored another, another good goal for Dover. Um, got that in his locker as well. Sometimes his passing is not the best, but he can go past people in a fine finish. And then when you think that Dover you know, should be able to hold on, you know, they started marking space rather than men, which is very unlike them. And Joe Anderson did well to finish in the last minute. Dover could have won it. Lee Wogan saved it. But yeah, two good games, but nothing game from either side for two games, really. Two two-all draws. Excellent entertainment if you beat at both the games, but you know, nothing game from either side from that point of view. So uh, they'll be disappointed with that. Dover Ford of draws on the on the spin is that you know, positives you're not losing, but you know, two draws, two wins and two defeats are better than four draws. And maybe look at that now, because they've drawn more games this season. And they've done in their previous whole campaigns in the last three years of the National League. So, uh, that's got to be a little bit of a concern that they can't finish teams off. So, But they're still up there in fourth place. So, uh, And more importantly, it was better than the Halifax game on Saturday. In my time watching football, probably was one of the worst games I've ever seen. It was absolutely appalling over against Halifax. So, uh, there you go. That was soon forgotten. So, at least my first game of 2018 was considerably better than the last one of 2017. Dreadful game, dreadful game. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that one was was the bad one, and, and it, you know, obviously, it's an issue that the, the Premier League clubs are talking about. They play too much football over Christmas, and you know, I often am the sort of person who would say, "Oh, well, they get paid a lot of money," but it is fairly ridiculous. You know, they don't have to play that many games in that short sort of period, and I think they could easily have lost one of those games in the middle. And I think. You know, Dartford and Welling probably both benefited from the fact they didn't play on Saturday. And, you know, up and down the country, I don't think that Saturday's games in the National League were, were all that anywhere, really. And, you know, for teams like Halifax having to come down to Dover in between Christmas and New Year, I bet they didn't enjoy that one too much. It's a double-edged sword because other previous years, they've only had two games in the National League and everybody was complaining, oh, there should be more football. So, because um, the way Christmas landed, it was that point of view. Um, it is a double-edged sword of course you've got to get more people through the gates but the only thing I'm not a fan of is the two double-headers there's no reason they play at Christmas fine but then move it to um, another bank holiday East Monday or Easter Saturday from that point if you don't play the two back-headers in the space of six days I don't really think it benefits two sides and then you see from that point of view Dover and uh, all the four Kent sides haven't really gained anything from it the only two sides who did They've won both games with Macclesfield all the shot at the top of the league. And if you look at it, not many sides across the years on this do the double in these sort of games. So uh, that's one thing I would change. Don't have the double headers from that point of view. Move one of them to Easter from that point of view. But four games, it is what it is. It, people will be complaining if they didn't have a game on a Saturday. And I, and I was quite surprised the National League South didn't have a game on a Saturday when they played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for about 10 weeks in the beginning of the season. Well, there you go. Um, disappointing run for the Whites, as have you said, but they're still hanging on in there in the playoff spots. It finally looks like Macclesfield have pulled clear a little bit, but Dover against all the shots, a big old game on Saturday. And, and Liam Bellamy back at Dover as well, Matt. Yeah, Liam Bellamy it was good for all the shot last season. He's had the injuries and personal problems off the pitch from that. It is a big game now. If Dover could have hang on to that uh, result, they'd have been a port behind all the shot, of course. 
all shot scored in the last minute. They scored three goals in the last four games in the last minute. So uh, a good side from that point of view. But they might find it a little bit difficult to play on Dover's pitch because it is quite boggy at the moment. That may work into Dover's favour from that point of view. But it's a game that if Dover win, they'll go ahead of all the shots because the goal difference will be better. But if they lose, six points behind in a game and that, and it would be disappointing with those. They've only won one in eight in the league as well, which is, you know, they're unbeaten in six, but five out of those games have been drawn. So, yeah, it, it's a big game. You're getting good. Other teams, Bournemouth coming up as well. It's a big month, January, for Dover. By the end of January, can we see they're back on form? But I think, again, it's a, I'm not saying it's a, it probably is, it, it, maybe it's a must win on Saturday against Aldershot. They don't really want another draw. Of course, they don't want to lose. So I think, Got to go out there on the front foot. They've already beaten all the shot. Play to their abilities. Maybe, maybe change in formation. Maybe go two up top front. Bring another midfielder in. Maybe that'll be my thinking. But Chris Kinnear knows better than mine. But yeah, they need three points on Saturday. I think just bring them back into the pack a little bit at the top because Macclesfield doing well. Fair play to them. But um, they've got the consistency at the moment. And David need to find that again. Yeah, elsewhere on Saturday, Bromley host Fylde, Fleet are home to Chester, Maidstone go to Woking. For on Tuesday night, you've already mentioned it, a big derby clash at the Gallagher. Maidstone against Ebbsfleet, there's not a lot of love lost between those two, so that should be a belting clash. Um, moving on to the National League South then, there's just one game to discuss there, as Dartford and Welling went head-to-head again. I was there, and much like Boxing Day, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I also got to meet podcast fan Dean Sawyer at halftime, which was nice. Um, the game ended 4-1 to Dartford, and, and although Dartford were the better side, I don't think 4-1 was really a fair reflection. Well, it never gave up. But unfortunately, they're now two months without a win. Um, here is the reaction of manager Jamie Coyle after the game. Obviously disappointed. Um, it's, a, it's a mix mixed emotions, really, again. I just think we, we've huffed and we puffed today and there were some, some good performances again. But there's there was two or three that we've carried through the game and, and you can't do that against a team that are potentially going to win this league. It's... Uh, you know, credit to them. I, th- I think that is the blueprint to, to win the league the way they play. They minimise mistakes at the back and get it forward as quickly as they can. And, and the difference is today they defended better in their box and there was more clinical in ours. So it's, and that summarises the, the 95 minutes. So we, we've had some fantastic opportunities and been in some great positions again in their in their 18 yard box and our final ball, our decisions just let us down. And, and then we've, you know, Ryan Ryan's done well since he's come in, but he's thrown two in today and. You're giving a team again. It summarises our last couple of weeks. You're giving team two goals that are flying at the top of this league. You're going to struggle. Positives for you, though. I suppose they didn't. You never chucked the towel in, did you? Until the fourth, maybe. But you were still always at the races. Yeah. The second half, we actually started getting the ball down, and um, for about 25 minutes, I don't think they'd come in our half, and, and it looked like we was going to push on and get the equaliser. But you then get the sucker punch with a soft goal that's gone under Ryan, um, and all of a sudden you kind of lose your momentum a little bit. But you know. Yeah, we've got some characters in that dressing room and we're going to rely on them now to, to bounce back and, and have a reaction next week and um, we've got to now start looking at players that are going to run their their backsides off and work hard for the team irrelevant of what position they're playing and, and today I thought there was one or two that we carried through that and you can't against a team that are, are top Obviously it's going to be two months without a win by the time you, you start again and, and you know, it's difficult you're, you're a young manager you're quite new to this how are you going to go about sorting it out? Well I, I've been here and done it I've, you know, irrelevant if I was assistant manager or coach elsewhere we've been in these positions before and like I say we've got enough characters in there to turn this around and enough quality um, we just need maybe one or two additions that come in this time of year that are going to roll their sleeves up and have a right, real go and I think today there were especially two players that, that didn't do that for us um, and, it's, and we won't tolerate it we'll make sure there's 11 players out there that are all going to 
um, work hard and, and that's the minimum requirement every week and if we do that we've got enough quality to, to win games and, and go on a run Elliot remained buzzed about a bit out the front and got his goal he looks like a real handful and you must be pleased with him yeah I'm really pleased for him you know that's a positive for today he's got his goal um, and, and we just said it in there that summarises he's run back 40-50 yards and, and made a great tackle in the corner um, when we're 4-1 down and that's the desire that you know, you don't expect that from a loney and, and the players, some well, one or two of our players today can take a leaf out of his book and look at his desire and his work rate and, and how much he wants to win. And I'm pleased for him today, obviously getting his goal and hopefully offer a, a few more goals moving forward. Home three spawn Saturday, chance to bounce back. Yeah, well, we have to, we have to. It's as simple as that. It's, uh, you know, I'm fed up of Sam. You know, we've done well in these areas and we've been ne- nearly men almost. It's... Uh, Sooner or later, it's got to happen. We're irrelevant where it is in the pitch in the final third. We have to put our chances away, and we've got to defend better in our box. And um, you know, like I say today, two soft goals. Um, I think Ryan held his hands up for two of them. But again, you can't give a team like Dartford a two-goal um, leg up. Um, very tr- straight talking there, Jamie Coyle, Matt, which, which is always refreshing to hear. Um, and I've got to say, he mentioned him there, but I feel pretty sorry for Ryan Sanford, who looked really cut up after the game as well after his errors. Um, the wing toast Eastbourne, who became the first team this season to lose to Whitehawk on New Year's Day um, on Saturday. That's a big old game now because Eastbourne will be desperate to hit hit back after that defeat to, to Whitehawk. And Welling have got to find a win from somewhere, haven't they? Well, particularly at home as well. I mean, if you listen to back at that, it's probably you know, a few podcasts going on. We think Welling, they're up to fourth place, doing really well, winning away from home. Matt, when you mentioned that, two months without a win, that is a real... Yeah, blow from that point of view. Again, they've got some good players there. Well, it seems that he's not particularly happy with some of the players in his squad there. They've had a sort of a high rate of players coming in and out, and maybe that's what we're going to do from there. Elliot Romain on loan from Dagenham. That seems like you were impressed with him. He's a good player against his old club, of course, Eastbourne. So, yeah, they need to somehow get a win from from that point of view. And of course, I think they missed Joe Healy in the first game you, you saw there because he was banned. He came back, and how did he get on? Because he's a key player for them. It was interesting, really. I mean, Romain, I was really impressed with, but Healy came back in, and when I've seen Welling before this season, he's played a lot more advanced. He's almost played off one striker up the top. Um, but with the, the the way that they set up on on New Year's Day, there, Tom Brabrick and Romain together up front, and that worked quite well. But the knock-on effect of that was that Healy was much more withdrawn, and certainly in the first half, we, we barely saw him. The second half, he got forward and had a few more efforts on goal and stuff. But I, I think playing in a... In a flat midfield four, as he was on New Year's Day, sort of stifles Joe Healy a little bit because he's got so much going forward. You know, he's, he's quite tall, he's good in the air, he's a really good link-up man. But on uh, New Year's Day, he had to have that bit, little bit more defensive responsibility. And I think that held him back a little bit. So, you know, it, I, I did say that at half-time on Radio Kent. I said, you know, I, I just don't think that they're getting enough out of Healy. And that's one that Jamie Cole's got to consider because, you know, Bradbrook played well. Remain, I've been really impressed with him in both games. But does the formation help their, probably their best player? And, and and it probably didn't. So that's one that Jamie Cole's got to think about. Yeah, they've got some fair players in, like Nanetti, who's... You know, good going forward, not necessarily good defensively, which, again, maybe he's, Healy's got to stay back a little bit from that point of view. Tom Bradbrook, I like him as a player, but mate, I've seen a little bit of the remain as well, and I was impressed with him. But yeah, you know, Joe Healy's a 15-20 goal man if you get him on the right form. And Willing, when they're doing well, he was banging the goals in, I think, six, seven games consecutively scoring. So, yeah, it's fitting it in. It's, it's tinkering. They've had, as I said, mentioned before, they've got a, you know, quite a, a people of players as well. So, they need to, to look into that. Just get the game. Just get a win at home would have pleased the home faithful. Then, build from that point of view. But 
I suppose from their point of view, the highs of boxing. I know they lost, but he was pleased with the performance. They really come back down to to earth from that. Sanford, is he on loan from Colchester? Is he the keeper? No, he's on loan from Millwall. I'm, I'm not sure Millwall. how much longer he's there for, though. And I mean, I've seen him a couple of times. He's he's, he's been pretty good. And and I, I think to say he was at fault for two of the goals may be a little bit harsh, but definitely the fourth one, he he will not have been proud of that. But I was in the in the tunnel after the game and one of the Welling coaches was, you know, really geeing him up and saying, you know, it doesn't make you a bad goalkeeper that you've made one mistake. This is why you're here. This is what you're to learn about. And, you know, you could see he was really disappointed and it felt sorry for him because he's a young man. You know, it was a big derby day and, and unfortunately he didn't have his best day. Well, again, that's good to see. Yeah, he's, he's gone to Welling to learn the experience. I presume Millwall will rate him and Millwall probably impressed by sending him to Wellick. So I think Tom King was there for a while as well. He's on Millwall's bench as their reserve goalkeeper. So they now get a good grounding from that point of view. Sometimes you've got to hit bottom to get back up from that point of view. And I'm sure if he's staying in the club, it has been a problem goalkeeper since Lewington left early part of the season. They've gone through a few. And that's been Wellington's problem over the last couple of years. Until Lewington came in and had a full season, they've gone through some goalkeepers. So it will be a concern. They're reliant on on loan goalkeepers, young goalkeepers, of course, learning their trade, so they're prone to the odd mistake. Absolutely. Well, what of Dartford? A derby double, two points clear at the top of the table. I say it was the game was closer than the scoreline suggested, but Dartford are a proper good side. Ryan Hayes was magnificent. The pass for the second goal was superb, and Alfie Pavey comes off the bench and scores two more goals. But from speaking to Tony Berman, he's keen to manage him a little bit at the moment. And all the while scoring off the bench, surely that's working. Um, you may have heard Tony Berman on Radio Kent. What he said after I'd stopped recording was really interesting. Um, Danny Mills was a topic of conversation. And, and even though he's not hitting the net as regularly as he might have done, uh, he missed two chances on um, New Year's Day as well that he probably would have wanted to score. Tony Berman couldn't speak highly enough of him. Because of the way he's off the pitch, the, the way he conducts himself in the dressing room, the way he speaks to people, the way he's looking to bring everyone into the game and everything. Apparently, they'd never really properly spoken until he signed. That The the circular came around from Ebsleet that Mills was available. Tony Berman took a punt. Um, he's there for another month, but I think Tony Berman would like to keep him. And even though he's not necessarily racking in the goals that people might have thought, his, his influence is obviously really impressing Tony Berman. Uh, he knows that level as well. And it'd be interesting to see uh, Graham and Ebsleet, they've led him up to um, Chelmsford for the rest of the season. Will Ebsleet, or I know him for a couple of strikers, um, will they be looking to send him out on loan to the end of the season at Dartford? Always, Dartford have always struggled to score goals, but they're scoring them by the bucket low. Pavey, oh, I do like, grown a lot as a player um, recently, and he can learn off Danny Mills. But Danny Mills is a proven goal scorer at this level. Once he gets one chance, he'll put them in. Um, some big games coming up for Dalvin as well. They've got Haven coming up, I think, next weekend as well. So, yeah, he's a good player. Tony Berman, um, you know, clearly he's got the respect of Danny Mills in both ways. But I think it's a good signing. And he'll come good, Danny Mills, I'm absolutely certain of it. Because I think maybe he's in that little bit of thing. He's probably maybe too good for National South. Maybe hasn't worked for him in the National League. But I think Tony Berman get the best out of him. And they're scoring goals, Dalvin, which has always been their problem over the last couple of years. Absolutely. I did also grab an interview with the Dartford player on New Year's Day. And the man has also got international caps. So here he is, Dartford goalkeeper, Darren Ibrahim. First of all, back-to-back derby wins. You've got to be really happy with that, haven't you? Yeah, no, over the moon. And to be fair, I think we've worked hard for it. Uh, I think it's been coming, the results, as I say. I think we're now starting to 
not turn a corner because it's hard to when when you're top. But we're now putting the performance in and sort of we're getting the rewards what we deserve. And I thought we thoroughly deserved the victory today. It's nice for you, I suppose, because you've got a good solid defence in front of you and, and the attackers look pretty decent as well, don't they? <laughs> to be fair, I think we've got a solid solid squad, not a team, a squad. And as I say, it's and that's credit to Tone for bringing the players in. Uh, and to be fair, he does it every year, and we've, we've got a solid uh, changing room, and everyone wants to sort of play for the club, which is a massive help. And some people don't come in and just sort of want to play for themselves. Everyone digs in, whether they're in position or out of position, they they dig in, and hopefully we get the rewards like we did today. I suppose you'd love to be at the end of the season standing there saying you're a title winner, wouldn't you? Oh, of course, but that's any footballer. Any footballer would. Our aim at the start of the year was to go up and get this club sort of back where it belongs at the top top of non-league top of the pyramid in non-league but as I say we're keep going I think there's 18 19 games to go uh, nothing's won in January or, or even February we've got to dig in we've got a lot of games coming up and as I say the whole squad will be needed it's so tight up there as well isn't it have you ever known league like it? no but how, how good is it for the neutral as I say we come in after how did that result go how did that as I say, no one sort of wants to win it outright. Last year we put a run together, and that's sort of what we're aiming for this year. We can put a run. I think it was ten games last year, but we didn't get nowhere near uh, Ebbsfleet and Maidenhead. But if we can put something similar to that. Uh, we'll be there or thereabouts. Does Ross's experience help you? Uh, yeah, of course it does. Not it's for me personally. There was a few of the older players who it was my first sort of experience of the playoffs. And it, it, it did hurt, it hurt massively. Not even to get get to the final was a minimum requirement, I thought. But fair play to Chelsea, they've done it over the two games. But I think on our day, we're, we're a match for anyone. And I think this year, with the experienced players Tone has brought in, it has helped the change room massively. And I think the only way is, if we can just keep going, the only way is up. Moving on from that, how could it be an international footballer? Uh, yeah, no, it... It's got its upsides, of course it has, but then it's also it's that little bit of added pressure on myself where you've got to go and sort of perform to a standard every week because if you let it go, people behind you or people around you tell you. And as I say, I've got to keep performing to try and I've got to keep performing to try and stay in that because as I say, I don't want it to be a one-season wonder. So if I can keep performing to a certain standard, then hopefully it will come off. But no, it's a great experience for myself and it's a great experience sort of for the club as well. But as I say, it's got its ups and downsides. And I suppose you brought to a new footballing nation, but it seems to be moving, hopefully moving in the right direction a bit more. Oh, 100%. Like, every time I've gone, there's been, there's been bigger strides made by, by the places. As I say, they're trying to get more qualified coaches and that's an avenue I'm trying to look into as well. As I say, I've done my badges I work full-time for this football club as well, so hopefully if I can maybe help them out in a coaching capacity as well, that's something I would like to uh, do, and I have spoken to them about that as well. But no, it's it's good, and hopefully, as I say, it's not going to change overnight, and as I say, there's Nation League games coming in September, October, November. I don't think it's going to change for that. We'll keep putting in good performances, but I think this it's a long-term plan for them, and then I think hopefully possibly long after I retire hopefully they can really start to produce and get some good results what they deserve and just finally who's the best one you've played against so far I suppose Lukaku was Andy was he yeah no to be fair they're all they're all good they're all in their own right as I say we played against 
Cyprus and they had the right back from Southend who was outstanding, Jason Dimitri. He was excellent that game. So and then obviously the Belgium game that that takes care of itself. You don't have to sort of look around. But no, it's good. But as I say, this is the bread and butter this year. As I say, I want to try and go up with Dartford and I'm sure everyone else does. I like that interview a lot, Matt. Another good goalkeeper we've had on the show. Um, I was possibly expecting him to be a little bit more excited about the Gibraltar stuff, but he's actually a very level-headed young man about the whole thing. 26 years old, been at Dart for a long time, made some good saves over the two games as well. Pretty impressive young man. Yeah, he's he worked well, hard to get back into the Dart side when the first season of the National League. They probably thought he was a little bit too small when his loan spells out. Let ahead when he got them promoted. Yeah, and, and, and now he's getting the rewards with him. Uh, he's a good shot stopper, not the tallest in the world, but Gibraltar, I presume from the Gibraltar, you know, in international football on his CV, it always looked good on that, but you're in rising for nothing being a goalkeeper. I think against Belgium, they conceded after about 10 seconds, wouldn't it? So, but no, the benefits for Gibraltar, um, I like the bit where he said that you know, going in there long after he's retired, they'll get the benefits. So, and he mentioned the, the new competition that you have got. Didn't think they'd be doing too well in that. And probably wasn't too impressed with the tournament as well. But yeah, I, I like it. Like how he talks, he's a bubbly character. And yeah, going well. And, and he's a solid goalkeeper at that level. And he's he probably one of the ones desperate to get into the National League because they didn't think he was good enough when they were there before. But he's good enough now. And he's been there a long, long time. He's getting the benefits of what he's seeing there. And at the moment, they're in the pole position, Darfur. He's got to keep hanging on to it in this very tight division. Just and with some big games coming up, just keep it going. Keep scoring goals, which which is great for them. They can go from there. For Welling, looks like middle of the table unless they can find their form again. What I also really liked about that Devin Ibrahim interview was we, we were chatting in the tunnel and um, as soon as we finished, we sort of both walked out the doors together and uh, there was a swarm of children came up to him to chat to him. He obviously knew them and he was going, oh, you know, one of the kids said, do you know my friend? He was like, yeah, I do know your friend. He seemed like such a popular character around the club. And, you know, you said when they were in the National League before, it didn't quite work out for him. But having spoken to him, I'd never spoken to him before, but having spoken to him, what a great chap. And I really hope that he can help Dartford up and, and that he can then help them succeed higher up the pyramid. Yeah, you're dreaming of another side in the National League at Kent side, wouldn't it? Five, time, five sides in there. None of them go through as well. Yeah, it'll be a real fight for that. But he, he deserves all the, the plaudits he gets because he, you know, him going into other clubs, he went to Maidstone as well. He, he could have got to, got to get down, get a bit disillusioned with it, but he stayed there. He works in the academy and I know he's highly rated by everybody at Dartford. Dartford travelled to Concord on Saturday and every game counts for them. There was a little gap there because I'm uh, in my traditional spot in uh, Tesco car park at the moment and uh, the storm has just whisked up one of their uh, promotional uh, advertising things. It's flown over a fence, so someone's got to deal with that later on, but there you go. Um, a lot of the games we were interested in the Bostick South on Monday fell foul of the weather with Hyde against Turn Bay, Sittingbourne versus Ramsgate and that good old Derby game, Shoreham against Thamesmead, all cooled off. Phoenix won at VCD. Cray drew 0-0 at Greenwich and moved through two points of leaders. Lewis with a game in hand at a goal difference of plus 43. It's looking pretty good for Cray. Um, Resurgent Ashford grabbed a point at, at Faversham. And, and Ashford, we, we talked about them quite a lot at the start of the season. And now it seems to be clicking a little bit for them. They've brought in a new, quite a few new players, haven't they? Uh, probably played at a, a different level. McLennan, I think he was at Cheltenham when they got promoted. So he's playing from there. Yeah, just... We mentioned before it was going to be a season of 
learning from that point of view. Maybe they've come through a little bit more money's come in so they can attract these sort of players. But uh, yeah, but they're going they're going in the right direction at the moment. I think we did find out. Didn't you mention before that two top two are going up in this division? So at the moment, it's probably looking good for Cray at the way they're performing that they could get all special promotion. Absolutely. This weekend, um, Ashford host Chipstead, outform Sittingbourne go to Carshaw and Herne Bay at home to Corinthian Casuals. BCD go down to Horsham, who beat Lewis on New Year's Day. It's Hyde against his Grinstead, Lewis against Faversham, Phoenix against Guernsey, Ramsgate against Shoreham, and Thamesmead Town versus Whiteleaf. Cray play Walton Casuals on Sunday, and then in midweek, Sittingbourne host Guernsey on Tuesday night, and it's Cray against VCD on Wednesday. So plenty of games there, and there will obviously be ones to be rearranged. Um, finally, let's have a quick look at the Southern Counties East League. No games on New Year's Day, much like Boxing Day, but on Saturday there was a thriller between Hollands and Blair and Lordswood, which ended with the home side getting their first win of the season, winning 4-3, despite being two down inside five minutes. And, you know, it's not looking good for Hollands and Blair where they are on the table, but that will at least give them something to look forward to in 2018. That sounds like an absolute classic there. I mean, you would have thought when they were struggling from that point of view, 2 nil down after five minutes, they came back into it. Um, yeah, it's... It's a, it's a win. Um, Lords were not having a great time of it as well. So it looks like from that point of view, big game at um, Crowborough v Tunbridge as well, wasn't it? With two goals in the in the final minutes for for Crowborough to beat Tunbridge Wells as well. So that, um, in the Christmas game, that sounds like a decent crowd there as well. So um, all to play for, I would say in that one. But again, it does seem strange it's, that um, Tunbridge Wells are struggling a little bit, though. To be fair, on that point, things it could have been a shock there. Why weren't they playing? New Year's Eve and Boxing Day, surely that's you know at least one of the games they should be playing on. Who knows? But Crowborough, as you just mentioned, they're level on 39 points from 19 games, two points behind Seven Oaks, who've got three games in hand on them all. Um, what is interesting is I found out a bit more about the promotion from that league, but we've prattled on quite a bit, so we might discuss that one next week, because trust me, that's another average points per game one, and we can get into that at a later date. Um, on Saturday, there are also wins for Deal at Beersted, Canterbury against Chatham and Irith over Rustall. Sheppey and Whitsville drew nil-nil. Uh, this weekend, Seven Oaks are back in action. They head down the A21. They've got Tunbridge Wells. Uh, Beckenham host Rustall. Cray Valley PM v Glebe. Irith Town against Whitstall. Hollands and Blair against Croy- AFC Croydon. Lordswood host Rochester. And Sheppey United are at home again, this time against Croydon. Um, another busy, busy show, that one, Matt. I, I assume you're at Dover on Saturday. Yeah, against all the shot, yep. So, um, yeah, as mentioned earlier, maybe a bit of a must-win there for David just to get out of this, the drawing ruts, which apparently I've done some homework and I think in Chris Kinnear's 890 games with David, he's never had four consecutive league draws. So, there you go. But he might have done it at Margate, but he's never done it at Dover. So, um, he'll be trying to stop the rot and they, they could do with three points. I certainly can. I don't know what I'm going to do Saturday. I must admit, I've had quite a quite a busy festive period, so I may even just put my feet up this weekend. Although I did hear the words, "Oh, we'll have to go to the tip on Saturday," so I may just try have to say, "Come on, let's go to a football match somewhere." But there you go. Um, I've still a... got the skip, you see, which is a part of boot. It is, is a bonus because normally <laughs> you have about 400 trips to the skip over Christmas, but I just love everything in there at the moment. So. I was thinking even more. It'd be good to get a skip over Christmas every Christmas now, but it's just throw absolutely everything in there. So there you go. Maybe we should do that next year. Well, why not? That would solve all the problems with the with the waste collections. Um, <laughs> as always, um, you can find us on social media: Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, Facebook at Kent Non League. 
Um, if you want to get in touch, you can email us, um, johnphipps81 at outlook.com. And, and I haven't done it for a while, actually. If you want to follow us personally on Twitter, I'm at johnphipps81, and Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Um, thanks again for joining us, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. As I say, it was another packed one. Um, it's the first time I've actually been sat in my car recording this for nearly a month because of various uh, different things. So it's not quite nice to be sat back behind a steering wheel while talking to Matt. And um, I hope you've enjoyed the show, and we shall speak to you all again next week. Thanks very much.